1: We welcome you today. We are very excited to have another one of our, I'll call them infamous, roundtables because it's such a fun format where we really get so much information packed into an hour because we put three experts on and we're talking today about the skills gap. And I'm joined by my amazing co host, Les Davis, who organized this call. And Les, good morning to you.
2: Good morning, Linda. This is another one of my favorite topics to talk about, so I'm very excited to talk well, to our guest and get this show.
1: Absolutely. So am I. So why don't you um, introduce our guests, and we'll get started.
2: Well, I'd like to introduce our first guest, uh, Scott Brown. He's the president of, of the International Automotive Technicians Network. I'd like to introduce also uh, Hector Guzman. He's the field director of Automotive Dealers Association, and Jason Winwood. Admissions Representative for Universal Technical Institute. Welcome, everybody.
3: Thank you. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning.
1: Good morning. So, Les, I'm going to start with a minor introduction, and you take it if I've missed anything. Today, we're going to discuss the skills gap in America specifically in the transportation industry. And so there is a, a real dearth of trained technicians and veterans are really looked at very favorably for these jobs. And let's talk about the skills gap and how we can start to fill it with the visions of these experts on our call. You want to add some more to that, Les?
2: Absolutely. I'd like to, first off, if, if there's somebody out there that hasn't heard of this or Maybe they don't even know what the skills gap is. So let's start off with that. What is the skills gap we keep hearing about? Uh, Scott, could you answer that?
3: Uh, Certainly. So, uh, you know, to best summarize this uh, is if we can look at, uh, you know, my my expertise is the the vehicle transportation uh, service world. And if you go back, say, uh, eight, nine years, uh, model year 2008, the vehicle technology that, um, had begun to appear on these vehicles have just exploded. And, uh, you know, so it's just been an exponential curve up to the right. And these vehicles are moving through the pipeline with so, so much sophistication that the service industry in general, and I'm talking, you know, like the aftermarket world, which uh, by the way, services about 79% of the fleet, um, yeah. They, uh, these technicians are going to be very, very challenged. And, uh, you know, I'm a big proponent of education and knowledge and, and that's part of our mission, uh, for the, uh, you know, the company that I, I run. Um, so there's huge opportunity. And, um, so when, if a technician could come in and he has very high, highly, uh, analytical skill set, uh, understands electronics, um, communications, um, and and do some you know mechanical uh, repair and, and diagnostics they're going to succeed um I, I see it all the time uh where technicians are severely challenged and just not un, not able to really um understand some of these complexities so there there again there's a huge opportunity uh in this marketplace
2: absolutely and hector what what is the skills gap at where you're located is it can you add to what uh, Scott said?
4: Uh, sure. Uh, overall, for me, the skills gap uh, really refers to the skills that employers are looking for uh, in comparison to the skills that workers actually possess. Uh, in particular, in, in our industry, uh, I would say the skills gap is the difference between the perception of being a mechanic and the reality of, a, of being a technician. I think the way people view the automotive industry as a whole Uh, In particular, the technicians, the ones who work on the vehicles, um, I I really don't feel the public has a, a true understanding of what it takes to be a tech.
2: Oh, absolutely not. I, you know, being I was in the industry for a long time myself. You always seen that you always seen their The misconception of it. And, and Woody, or Woody, sorry, Jason. Uh,
1: <laughs> Better explain that one. We promised yeah, yeah. to use his professional name on this show, but if, if Les slips, <laughs> you'll know that they're friends.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've known, I've known Jason for a very long time. We call him Woody, but I will, I'll try my best to go, Jason. Uh, Jason, you, there, you, you've, been in, you've been working with young people in high schools and, uh, um, you know, in their early 20s for a very long time. What do you see? I mean, what do you see in this skills gap?
5: Well, uh, and thanks, Les, for having me on. You know, I've had the opportunity to, to work with, with young kids out of high school for, for 12 years, and uh, th- there's definitely a, a, a disconnect between, you know, wh- where the industry is going right now. I mean, th- th- they're putting technology on vehicles, as Scott was mentioning, at, at an unprecedented uh, an rate. And, uh, you know, it, it's taking a different type of technician – uh, to work on these cars and uh, you know, we really need to get the word out there to, to young people on, you know, w- what it takes to be a technician, not only today, but you know, five and 10 years down the road.
2: Oh, oh absolutely. I, you can, I would take my wife, my wife has a, a 2014 Camry. When I take that in for service, the guy comes out and he's barely dirty. Everything is done with the the onboard computer nice. systems, right? Yeah. And so it's, you're right that, that, the technology's there. It's not like you know, back like Scott was saying, pre two thousand eight. I mean, we're talking. This is some of these cars are highly sophisticated. Some of the cars and uh, trucks. So I was when when I was thinking about doing this show, I researched this the skills gap. I researched is it is it real or is it not? I mean, we're so I ran across a few articles that said the skills gap or training gap. It's it's more a thing in it's uh, a gap of training. In geographic areas, it's not really a thing. It's not really an issue across the country. Uh, Hector, what are your feelings about that? Uh, I personally
4: couldn't couldn't disagree more. I mean, I, in our industry, in particular, in the area here, I mean, the skills gap is is so evident. Uh, I work with about 190 dealerships, uh, new car dealerships, and you know, from all the conversations I have with them, from you know, technicians that are coming in. Um, even, even when coming out of, uh, out of training school, uh, there, there's just no preparation for the reality of what, of what these vehicles are today. Uh, and there's a couple of different reasons for that. In my opinion, uh, education is, is one just in, in the way they, in today's world, they talk a lot about computer systems, which is very important, uh, but something that gets lost is being able to actually translate that understanding of the computer system to hands on, uh, on the actual vehicle. Uh, so for me, the skills gap is real, uh, it's evident, and I, and I see it every day working with the dealerships and working with high school students, just kind of seeing that disconnect that Jason talked about. It's real life for
2: us, for sure. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I, As I travel the country, I see and I talk to everybody, and there is a, a massive skills gap like you. I don't agree with the article either. Uh, Woody, do you have anything to add to that, what Hector uh, has stated?
1: Or Jason? <clears throat>
2: Or Jason? I'm yeah, sorry. yeah,
5: absolutely. And if it's more comfortable, less you can call me Woody. Uh, you know, over the past, let's just say, year, I've had a chance to travel all across the state of Pennsylvania uh, and connect with different high schools, vocational centers, and, and everywhere I go. Uh, you know, locally talking to employers in the area, the, the common theme is that they all need technicians, uh, and, and they need all varying levels of technicians from, from entry level to guys with you know with with you know more advanced training. Uh, But whether whether you're in the the city of Philadelphia or or, or central Pennsylvania, the more rural parts, uh, you know, I I challenge anyone to find an area where they don't know technicians.
3: I couldn't agree more.
2: And Scott, you have a do you have anything else to add to to this?
3: Yes. uh, Yeah. So a couple of things just to kind of go back. Where where did this all manifest from? If we we really start to look at it, it is an economic uh, issue. Um, You know, the, the consumer. Uh, as it was mentioned earlier, the consumer really has no idea how complex the automobile is and what it actually takes to uh, competently provide that comprehensive uh, service. And therefore, uh, their expectations are at a different place than really what's needed to support the industry. And so I've got a couple of examples um, we, uh, I'm, I'm actually in Newport Beach this week. Uh, we just finished uh, an event um, for the Equipment and Tool Institute, and this is for the automotive and heavy truck industry. And we've got companies here that uh, handle diagnostics and service information and another tooling. And we went out to dinner the other night. We took an Uber back and we all piled into this Mercedes, uh, it was a GL350, kind of a sophisticated vehicle. And as we're coming back, um, the driver asked us, you know, what we did and we explained we're in the automotive industry and he asked straight out, he goes, is there anything out there that helps the, the mechanic or the technician get smarter? Mm-hmm. And I said, oh my gosh, what, what kind of question is that? So he proceeded to tell us this horror story about him taking his car into the dealer to get, uh, an oil leak looked at. He decided that the price for the oil leak repair was too high. So he went somewhere else to get it done cheaper. That ended up uh, starting a string of events, mm-hmm. and it made it so difficult to to analyze that the guy ended up spending almost ten thousand dollars to finally get the car resolved. Um, so, Sounds. and he he bounced from dealer to dealer and shop to shop, and they they just didn't have the analytical skill set to to you know diagnose the thing properly. And so, you know, I, I I equate that to the fact that the consumer, one, you know, they didn't respect the the, the time or the, the value of having that service repair done. And he seeked out, you know, he, he went for a cheaper repair and he ended up causing a problem. Um, you know, if we go back to looking at our industry, um, people think there are certification requirements, you know, to come into this industry. And that is really not the case today. Um, You know, I promote certification through ASC, but that's kind of a minimum standard, and and really, we need to push the bar up because these systems that we were talking about this week um, here at this event, we're talking about advanced driver assistance systems, and these are aids to keep the driver safe and in the lane and and distance from the vehicle, and if we can't properly set these up or diagnose them or get them functional, that vehicle then becomes a, a hazard. And um, so what really what I think needs to happen here is that we need to create a more attractive space um, because the earnings are just not there um, to attract a young, um, you know, young person to then pursue this career. Uh, so I, I know I kind of got long winded there, but um, I mean, it, I, I am just very, very passionate about um, trying to move this forward and, and raise the bar. So thank well, you yeah. for letting me vent.
1: Absolutely. We are going on a break. You timed it just perfectly. And being one of those consumers who has to trust the technicians, I'm very grateful that I seem to have a good shop where I am. We'll be back after these messages talking further about the skills gap in the automotive industry.
0: Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages.
2: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
6: Salt is in nearly everything
1: we eat, and many times it makes food taste so delicious. Even though the 2010 Dietary Guidelines for Americans recommends limiting sodium to less than 2,300 milligrams a day, Men's Health Magazine states that the average American takes in about 3,300 milligrams of sodium every single day. Your body needs some sodium to function properly because it helps transmit nerve impulses. It influences the contraction and relaxation of muscles and it helps maintain the right balance of fluids in your body. But most of us are getting far more sodium than is recommended. Check out the sodium content in the foods you are
7: eating and limit soy sauce, parmesan cheese, bacon, smoked salmon,
1: ramen noodles, and salami. It's time to kick the habit of too much sodium. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond.
7: Okay, ladies, listen up. Did you know recent studies are suggesting that women with skinny waists but sizable hips are smarter than other women? Scientists at the University of Pittsburgh and the University of California gave cognitive tests to a group of 16,000 women and girls of different body types and found the women with the greatest hip-to-waist proportions scored higher. Hmm, I guess that would make me a walking encyclopedia Britannica. No, hold on, that doesn't mean it's okay for us to be a powder pigeon. That's another name for a woman whose sizable hips can take up a whole supermarket aisle. Research suggests that the fat around fuller hips and thighs pulls higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids, which helps the brain. I'm not sure if I would rather be able to do the Sunday crossword puzzle or get into those jeans I bought 10 years ago. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
0: Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together we make a difference.
1: Welcome back. We are talking today about the skills gap in our roundtable, and the members of our roundtable are, of course, my wonderful co-host, and we are talking with our guests Scott Brown, Hector Guzman, and Jason Winwood. We're talking specifically in the automotive, uh, trucking companies, marinas, motorcycle shops, all in need of trained technicians, and. Les, I know, you had the first question, but you wanted to double back, I believe, on one we talked about before the break.
2: Yeah, you, we had uh, Scott had mentioned that we need to do something to attract more people to the mm-hmm. industry, mm-hmm. and so let me so let me throw this question out to uh, to Hector, then I, then I'll get back to Scott here. But Hector, should the transportation industry, meaning automotive dealerships, you know, everybody involved, should should they put together a recruiting team to go out mm-hmm. into the high schools? Um, and to attract people to the to our industry, I mean, is that something that they should do themselves? Uh,
4: absolutely. I think the more people we have out there talking about the industry as a whole, the better. Uh, the issue, uh, one of the biggest issues, honestly, though, is perception of the industry. Uh, I can tell you uh, from from firsthand experience. If you walk into a, a high school. And you you walk up to a guidance counselor and say hey listen i'm here to talk to you about the automotive industry and employment there um unfortunately uh some of the counselors uh kind of end up giving you a a list of students that are that are on the uh, on the bottom of, of their list as far as academic skills or behavior and, and and that's unfortunate because uh when you talk about what's needed in today's technicians Um, You know, this isn't the old school days of everybody worked on the cars. You know, you pop the hood, everybody tinkered. No one tinkers nowadays. And and it's something that you need somebody who's good with their hands, but is also able to problem solve, Um, you know, and is also professional. There's more and more customer interaction today. So you have to have good communication skills. So that combination of being able to have good communication skills, uh, being good with your hands and also being tech savvy, that's really what we're looking for. So when you talk about transportation going out there to help recruit, I firmly believe in that, and I, I I'm almost at the point where I think manufacturers should be putting together recruitment teams to go out yeah. and talk about the opportunities as well
2: no, and I, I couldn't agree more. If you spend eighty ninety thousand dollars on an, a higher end car, you, you know you you want to be able to speak to your you know your technician and you don't want him you know having the piercings and the facial tattoos. I, I know it's a perception, and that may be negative, but I look you're, you want somebody very high skilled that can communicate with you and look the part. That's just society, um, uh, Jason. Um, what do you see? What do you? What do you? What's your feelings on this? Well, this
5: is right up my alley. I mean, uh, you know, Universal Technical Institute, you know, where I work, we have about 140 field representatives like myself that, that are going out and fighting the good fight, trying to get into high schools and break down that perception uh, that, that Hector mentioned. And quite honestly, uh, you know, just to piggyback off what Hector said, I mean, we are trying to get into CAD classes and computer classes and, and, and find those students who ultimately just like to take things apart, put them back together and mm-hmm. figure out how they work. They're, they're, attractive, they're attracted to problem solving, whether it's with computers or electronics or just simply with their hands. But um, I mean, any additional help uh, is obviously welcome um, because the more, the more voices we have about the industry, the better. Um, but, you know, we're out there trying trying to get the word out about the need for technicians in this industry.
1: You know, I've got a question for you. Have you seen a change with more receptivity to your advances in the high school arena because of, frankly, Mike Rowe talking about the gaps in trades and that not everyone is supposed to go to high school people who love to take things apart will be bored to death by a lot of theoretical and what you are talking about are people as you said with good communication skills which is essential for any position you take anywhere in the world for anything Um, but also is it shifting a little bit are you seeing that there is more receptivity or has it remained flat
5: uh, well, you know, speaking of Mike Rowe specifically, you know, his advocacy for, for our industry and the trades in general has been a huge help at, at gaining awareness. I mean, his familiarity and this this well known about him, uh, you know, with him speaking about it has definitely helped us out. But where where I see the greatest impacts is when we can partner with a high school locally. Uh, just today, for example, uh, we have a, a couple of high schools in the Northeast Philadelphia area actually going out to dealerships. Uh, local to their area, touring the facilities, and talking with the service managers directly. And obviously, the guidance counselors in those cases have to be a little bit more receptive and open-minded. But when you actually get the, the, the industry combining with us and talking about the need for technicians, not just nationally, but local to the students' area and how we can help them you know, right in their backyard, uh, that really starts to solidify our, our conversation. So that's something mm. that we have worked on tremendously in the past couple of years. That, you know, getting students actually to dealerships or getting dealerships with us into the high schools, where, you know, we can co- combine that message together.
1: You know, it doesn't it also seem as though it almost needs to be a community message, too, so that it trickles down, that there are options for you in the world? We're going to have cars a very long time. They're not going away, so it is an industry that will always have positions open for good people.
2: Yeah, is this, that message
1: coming across? I'm sorry, Les. Go ahead.
2: No, no this is, you're exactly right. You know, they, they, there was always a push to you know you know get clean you know clean fuel, which has happened. Uh, kind of, if you drive this sort of a diesel truck or diesel, you know, you're kind of for you're kind of frowned upon. The last decade, we've but I'll tell you, the, the industry as a whole isn't going anywhere. They're high-paying jobs, highly skilled. I mean, you've seen a report yesterday I watched where Ford was even developing a driverless car. So you, you're talking about technology. Man, This this That's you could scary. only go up in the thing. Same- right. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, hey, Scott, would, did you have anything to add to what we've already talked about? Uh,
3: yes. Yeah. So, you know, I, I did want to touch on, um, you know, what, what Jason uh, was talking about Uh you know, Micro. I think he's, he's helping, but we really need that. We need a, multi- a force multiplier of, like, 20 mm-hmm. on that to get that message across. So the big challenge is articulating what our industry is. So we need to get this message out, what the opportunities are, but we're also going to, at the same time, going to need to raise the bar um, because the demand is so high, very, very high. So one of the efforts that uh, UTI, by the way, um, is doing through the TechForce Foundation, I don't think that was mentioned yet, is that they are trying to unify industry uh, through a single channel or a single messaging. And um, their, their, their efforts are monumental. I mean, these guys are really pushing the envelope. They're trying to get the message out. But we need more support or more more folks like that to help get this message but also, we've got to fix the economic end of it as well. You know, if you look today, technician, you know, goes through training, uh, you know, he's got some decent debt for, for his educ his foundational knowledge. And then he hits the shop floor, he's required to have tools. Well, I, I've had computer programmers, developers working for me in our organization. And these guys go through school and they're very, very smart. But when they show up for work, they just show up for work, all their tools are provided. Um, in the automotive space, they're expected to have all of their own tools. and to me, that is a broken uh, formula. Uh, that is just not a, a recipe for success. And so that is another element that uh, that needs to change as well. So is that
1: true at other shops other than dealerships? Or so is, because I, it was under I was under the impression that dealerships supplied all the tools. No.
3: Uh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll speak from what I can see. Uh, there are uh, there are some very good dealerships out there that, uh, uh, yes, they will supply all of the tools uh, for a technician. But a lot of times, the technician likes to have basic hand tools and certain things that they can help okay. to speed up their efficiency. But specialized tools are typically require are provided by the the manufacturer, and, is, and a lot of the communication uh, high tech stuff is mandated by the. vehicle manufacturer if you're you know if you're going to be a franchise dealer uh but in general again we're talking that the aftermarket has the bulk of the service uh world and that is the system that uh, has so much fragmentation um that it's extremely challenging for a guy to come out of school and and actually start to you know realize an investment
1: you know i'd forgotten that fact you mind if i would I'm sorry, let me put that statistic in there again. seventy nine percent is the aftermarket. That makes a big difference. So go ahead.
5: Uh, yeah, Scott that, that's an excellent point and, and thanks for bringing that up. And just just to kind of parallel off some of the efforts that that UTI is our school and what we're trying to do to help with that, uh, you know, is we started a, a trip program uh, a few years ago where it's a tuition reimbursement program. That honestly, about two years ago, it was only about 18 employers strong, and we've grown that to about 3,000 employers across the country that have jumped on board and are now offering some form of tuition reimbursement to our graduates. Uh, so these are dealerships that are in such need of technicians that uh, they've partnered with us uh, through the signed agreements where when a student graduates our school, begins to work for them, uh, you know, uh, they'll offer things like sign-on bonuses, uh, tool packages, uh, student loan uh, reimbursement uh, while the student works for them uh, to help them, you know, in that, you know, educational investment that the student's looking to make.
2: And that's such a big thing. You know, when it, when a guy can join an organization uh, sign, I would imagine they'd have to sign a contract maybe a three year. And during that three year period, they pay so much percentage of that loan off just to keep them there, keep their investment there and keep it safe. That's, that's a That's a really great thing for the industry and the technician and the new technician coming out. And one thing I'd like to add about UTI is, um, it, this, is a, this is a school that is so focused on the transportation industry. There's, there's no other, they don't teach anything else but, you know, technicians in the auto, diesel, and collision refinishing world. And that's what makes UTI so uh, unique in, in that world in the, in the training industry. So I uh, appreciate them stepping up to the plate, like what Scott was saying, and now even with the t- tuition reimbursement, signing all those uh, contracts with the organizations. Couldn't be bigger, Jason.
5: Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a a huge success in the company, and and if that in itself doesn't speak to the need that these dealerships have, uh, you know, not just for a warm body, but for an actual skilled, trained technician, someone that's willing to invest in themselves, they're a hard worker, and they want to get into an organization and grow. You know, if anyone would be listening to this and and would want to know more about that, I'd encourage them to go on to like our website, ti.edu. They can connect with a local representative that can talk about employers local to their area uh, that's doing it because we do have companies all across the country uh, that are willing to to join this program and it's a list that's continuing to expand once again because of the need for technicians.
1: So perfect. Yeah, it's, it's I'm so sorry to interrupt, but we're will. going on our next break. We'll be right back and continuing Please. the discussion. We'll be right back.
0: We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages.
6: Listen, something is brewing. The beautiful business evolution is coming. The way we do business is about to change for the better forever. This is real business at its very best. On Beautiful Business Radio, you will learn what it means to truly prosper, how to nourish yourself and your business, how to earn what you deserve and make a difference in the world. The tide is rising. The change is here. Discover a new way to live, love, and partner with yourself and your business Business on Philippa Rollins presents Beautiful Business Radio, where you matter and your business thrives every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the Woohoo Radio Network.
7: is National Chocolate Month. Historians say the Aztecs discovered chocolate 3,100 years ago, and it was revered to the point of worship. The word chocolate comes from the Aztec word chocolato, which referred to the bitter, spicy drink the Aztecs made from the cacao beans. The first chocolate bar was invented in 1847 by Joseph Fry. Did you know that it takes one year for a cacao tree to produce enough pods to make 10 chocolate bars the scientific name for the tree that chocolate comes from Theobroma cacao, means food of the gods man cannot live by chocolate alone but we women sure can personally i could give up chocolate but i'm not a quitter i'm carolyn davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app to funny for words
0: Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference.
1: Welcome back. We are talking with a a wonderful show lineup that Les Davis, our co-host, has put together. We're talking to Scott Brown. Hector Guzman and Jason Winwood, and during the break we have wonderful discussions. During the break, so Les, I'll let you sum up that with the question that you came up with.
2: Yeah, one of the as we were talking on break about uh, communication skills because we're you know we see the you know the younger generation millennial we're we're basically heads down into our phones and we really don't have that communication level that we used to have by you know sitting next to somebody and talking to them. Usually when we're sitting next to somebody. Run on our phone, not really communicating. So we see the communication, um, gap. We say we have a communication gap too, right? Mm-hmm. So what I was, the, the question is, as when we're, when you look at college students, this is what I'm talking about. They're, they're very hard. My daughter, I, and she wants me to send her a text instead of calling her. Right. That's just, that's how it is. That's they yeah. want. So when you're talking about going to school and learning a trade, um, would you suggest more of a, a career, uh, trade school, or regular community co- or regular community college? You know, I I, I asked a question because I know that some of the trade schools they focus on the soft skills. I don't really see that community college. So, uh, Jason, what would you what would you say about that?
5: So that that's obviously a, a very loaded question for me. We are working for UTI, but you know the the the. The, what UTI or a, a professional technical college you know, can offer a student is not only you know, the, the hands-on, hard skills training, but we do uh, spend a lot of time working with our students uh, on the soft skills, Okay, uh, whether it be through attendance or, or professionalism and just teaching personal accountability. You know, a large portion of our students are, are that, that demographic of high school students graduating high school, transitioning to college. Some of them may or may not have ever worked uh, in a professional environment before. So, you know, it does us no good as a school to just teach the hard skills for them to go out in the industry and not know what the actual expectations are of what it takes to be a good employee. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that that is something that our school focuses on tremendously. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I I would agree that 100 percent.
2: Yeah, I think personally, I think community college is just repeating high school. So I, I'm not an advocate, especially for the trades. You know, I, I I love the fact that you got, you know, uh trade schools like UTI concentrate solely on this it's heavily into it, where a regular community college uh, can't do that. Uh Hector, it would anything to add to this?
4: Uh yeah, for, uh, for sure. Um I'm actually a graduate of UTI myself, uh certified automotive and diesel repair tech, and uh had a great experience there. Uh what what's important for me is, is making sure you know the student is is, is a good fit. So I, I would encourage just making sure, you know, in your search, um for any student that's out there, anybody looking to go to school, you know, you gotta make sure you feel comfortable there. And UTI is where I felt comfortable. Um and you know, and there are some phenomenal I know in my area out here there's a couple really good community college automotive programs as well. Uh so there's definitely options out there. UTI is one of the best that we've seen. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm very big on the on the feel. What What's your feel? I'm, I'm a big believer in you're going to perform as well as as comfortable as you are. So as you're going out to, to check out your options, uh, you know, wherever you feel most comfortable, whatever you feel is going to give you the best opportunity for success. I think that's going to that's really what, what determines it, because I'm big on attitude. When you talk about soft skills, uh, you know, that's something that I personally go out and I promote all the time. Uh, I work with 16 uh, vocational uh, CTE programs, uh, high schools out in the area here, and I actually deliver a little a little uh, handout that says 10 things that require zero zero talent. And they have things like attitude, effort, body language, passion. Uh, that's the stuff to me that really makes, makes the student. Now, when you combine the soft skills uh, with a quality program, that to me is going to make you know, they're going to create the best foundation uh, for somebody to get out there and be able to attack this workforce is having a good head on their shoulders and having that right attitude.
2: Uh, absolutely. You know, coming from somebody who, you know, represents 190 dealerships, that's a big message. Uh, uh, Scott, what do you, do you have anything to add to this?
3: Uh, sure, certainly. So, you know, you brought up the communication piece and, you know, that is a, that's another one of my uh, huge passions. So, you know, I see, um, you know, I also own a service center, an independent service center. It's about 57 years old. And, um, you know, we have professional technicians working in our environment. And one of the things that I identified a while back is is as we're trying to um, evaluate our work, we document the heck out of everything we do. And this is using a number of, of methods like digital tools, um, such as your cell phone or what have you. So if you're taking an image of something, and then you're basically able to talk about that in a way that resonates with the consumer. Now the consumer has, they realize the transparency and they can see what's going on. And so if you have a high level of professionalism in delivering that communication, the customer in the end um, feels better about who they're communicating with and and, and what have you. So I have, uh, I actually started this last summer um out at some uh trade uh, education events for educators and started teaching a class and I titled it digital tools for automotive professionals mm-hmm. and it basically shows these guys how to um how to articulate and communicate uh because again we're we're talking about a lot of highly uh sophisticated uh systems on a vehicle and that vehicle is producing some data and that data could be used to to help the customer understand what's going on about their vehicle. So, I'm a big proponent of trying to educate the customer um so that they become more knowledgeable about the vehicle and then realize, you know, how much it takes to uh properly service the vehicle. And it looks much more professional for the technician it it makes him become a better communicator internally and externally. So, yes, I'm all I'm all for this.
2: The I've noticed the uh, some of the the people who make the uh, diagnostic equipment have really shaped their hand you know their handheld devices almost like gaming consoles mm-hmm. because they're so because the kids now are so used to working with their thumbs you know like in the gaming consoles with you know your xboxes uh, do you think that is an attractor so they can so it, it makes the uh, the new technician you know kind of feel right at home with it as they can maneuver
3: a lot faster because that's what they're used to dealing with uh i would say yeah so i, I can kind of ex- give you a little background so you know we when we started our network our our online network back in 1995 that was when the internet was just becoming uh tangible and at that time the industry was not computer savvy uh you know for obvious reasons and it has been somewhat of a battle to get these people um to realize that they need to use these d- digital devices now we've got the younger generation coming in that grew up with an iPad in their hand or a Game Boy or whatever. So, yes, the form factor, I mean, it just makes sense. If you can walk out to the car with a device and on and, and, and one screen you're looking at some vehicle data and then you can swipe over and actually start typing in your notes that then go into a, say, the uh, shop management system to help communicate, then boom, that's, uh, I mean, this is leveraging technology. And so, you know, going back to what you were saying, Les, about the text, um, texting, this happens all the time. To try to call somebody and and explain to them what's going on with their vehicle, it becomes, you know, very difficult. There are systems out there that will allow you to actually, um, as you're you're creating your ticket or your estimate, you can text the customer. And the customer has an encrypted link that brings them back into the ticket. And they can see the progression of things that are happening with their car. And look at the problems. Here's, you know, for instance, like uh, Mrs. Smith, we have some leaking shocks. Here are the pictures of the shocks. Here they are leaking. Um, lays out, a, uh, you know, an estimate for them, and then they can basically approve it right in line. So this is the modern age that we live in. And these are the things that we need to really bring some education towards as well so that we're all working fluently.
1: I would like to add a comment to that as a customer. I find that what you just spoke about, where you see the proof, where you understand what's going on, where there is a respect for the shop where you attend, that it really does make a difference in trust. And once you have a trust in that technician, what you were talking about earlier, the education, the communication, the back and forth between the customer, that communication, those soft skills you guys were talking about, Those are absolutely key to those of us who do not know anything about the cars these days. I mean, I fully admit I know nothing about a car. I can change tires. I was, you know, taught the things that I was taught as a young woman, but not anything else beyond the basics. And you can't go to the basics anymore. So that's very astute to add those soft skills and to make sure that they are emphasized. People are good at that. Customer service is is key these days to everybody's success.
2: No, absolutely, and you know I w- I'd be remiss because we are we are a show that talks about and and really relates to the veteran community. Um, with I'd have to say that, um, and Linda, we had talked about this even prior to the show about how how veterans relate to this industry. Right, and I I can tell you from you know my past experiences, uh, for in my I think, eight years of running a team who went out and recruited veterans for this industry. In that eight years, we, we placed 4,500 veterans in the transportation industry as technicians. And the soft skills that the industry seeks, veterans already have them. We're problem right. solvers. We get in there. We, we're not afraid to get dirty. We will go where they need us. So the thing I talked about earlier about geographic, not really a point. And they do extremely well. The school I worked at, they had a they had a contract with uh Mac Volvo and we've seen several of these guys go to the Mac Volvo uh, dealerships and do extremely well. So they, you know, they're great teammates. You talk about camaraderie within, you know, the military, they bring that and they excel, they excel uh, quick in the industry. So veterans are veterans. They do very well in this. And I was, as somebody who had put that together, very proud of that. Very proud of my, you know, my brothers and sisters who did extremely well and still are in the industry. And I know uh, UTI has their own veteran outreach team. So if a veteran's listening and they're wondering where to go, uh, how do I get more information on it? You can go to the UTI website and they then they have a specific team like I did that you can contact and they'll answer all your questions for you. Is that that's still correct? Right, Jason?
6: yeah yeah
5: absolutely we um uh, myself I work with uh, the high school students and high school age uh, people looking to get into the you know the automotive industry or pursuing UTI, but we you are correct we do have a a separate team of military representatives that it, it's it's really nice how they set it up this way as is, is you're familiar with less when schools do this because these guys that work for the school are more familiar with what a veteran's needs are and and how the transition that that person from you know military service to our school um, and, and we have veteran resource centers at all of our campuses uh, and, and we definitely uh, you know have a lot of outreach programs to, to help a, a, a military person or a veteran uh, you know get into a, a school like ours
1: I appreciate that you make those comments because it is very important to be veteran ready and it suits this group of people specifically very well we're going on our final break we'll be back after these short messages don't go away we have more to come on the skills gap roundtable
0: we're military network radio and we'll be right back after these short messages
6: You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen.
0: It's you never heard.
7: Did you know one fourth of the world drives on the left hand side of the road while the rest of us drive on the right? Most countries that drive on the left started as British colonies. Recently, I had to drive on the left in the Virgin Islands, and it made me feel a bit bum-squabbled and discombobulated, knowing that I could end up being the woe gong That's the odd one out on the wrong side of the road. After gaining independence from England, America was anxious to cast off links with their British colonial past and gradually changed to right-hand driving. The first laws requiring driving to keep right were passed in Pennsylvania in 1792. Those laws turned some drivers into shun pikers. Those are people who avoid main roads at all costs. In 1988, archaeologists found grooves in the road that indicated that the Romans drove their chariots on the left. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
0: Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference.
1: Welcome back to our Skills Gap Roundtable, and Les Davis is hosting today. Les, your next question.
2: Yeah, thank you, Linda. Um, The next question, I have a question about uh, the pay. Uh, I've read, you know, some of the articles I brought up earlier, they were saying, you know, these uh, skill positions don't pay the bill. Um, Is this accurate? And what's the average salary for an auto diesel collision refinishing person, you know, marine technician uh, across the country? Um, and, Hector, I'll start that. I'll throw that to you.
4: Uh, I'll, I'll gladly take that. Um, I, I can tell you firsthand that when, when I go visit dealerships, almost every dealership I walk into um, has a technician, has a, at least one technician that's making six figures plus. But um, but I, I want to make clear that this industry is an industry where you need to work. Uh, and, you know, it's not something you can just hide behind a desk somewhere, kind of clock in, clock out and expect a paycheck. Um, but one of the things I actually like about our field is is, is the flat rate system. So in essence, to, real quick to explain that, the flat rate system goes, if you're doing a break job, um, you know, and the book says it should take you two hours, you're going to get paid two hours. So if it takes you one hour, you can, you know, you're going to get paid for two. Now, on the flip side, if it takes you three hours, you're only going to get paid for two. Um, but that's really how people end up pumping out 50, 60, 70, 80 hours worth of work while only... Uh, while only working uh, 40 40 work hours, so on average, I'd say the average income for an automotive technician, uh, I'd be comfortable saying you know starting range around the low 30s to mid 30s. But again, on paper, that's just a little bit difficult because let's say you start off at $15 an hour, um, that changes based on, on on your flat rate work. Uh, so you know that $15 an hour, if you're pumping out 50, 60, 70, it may actually be 20 plus, uh, maybe even 30. Depending on the work you're doing, um, but I will tell you, you know, th- these technicians that are out there that are that are making the good money and actually, you know, knowing how to how to work on these vehicles uh, and work the system, um, you know, they they do very well for themselves. I think one of our difficulties is is the is kind of the starting wage uh, for a lot of places, um, and one of the reasons I feel that is is you know when we talk about the skills gap. Uh, I'm talking to a lot of service managers who need to hire, you know, they may hire eight to 10 people uh, to get one person that's going to stick. So, you know, if it was your business, you can't pay everybody top dollar. Uh, with that being said though, I have seen significant raises quickly. So I've seen people have dollar, multiple dollar increases within a year or two years, uh, if they're showing they're qualified to do the job. So going back to the skills gap, it's definitely something that impacts the, the starting wage in my opinion. Uh, but the, the plus of that is if you you know if you get it and if you're willing to work and you have those good soft skills, that good attitude, you could increase your salary fairly quickly in this field.
2: Yeah, I'd also like to add to that, Hector, that a person can and this is one of the few industries where you come out right away and make make the annual salary that you just paid for your entire tuition for going to school, you know, at, at a higher at a high you know a good trade school. And I think that makes makes a huge difference. And then you add on top of that, you know, student, you know, the loaner payment and uh the other incentives coming to those dealerships. I think it adds a, a nice value. Uh, uh Scott, what, what what's your opinion
3: of this? So yeah, I'm glad you brought up the wage part because that, uh, again, that is one of the attractors, right? If people are debating on what, what trade to go after or what skill, they're going to look at some stats. So I've got a couple stats for you. If you go to the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, they'll give you a median wage, uh, based off of uh, data that they've collected in 2016. And that average, that, that number is at just, uh, uh just a little over $38,000. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the standard. Um, we, in our environment, on our network, um, you know, we, we have about uh, 80, a little over 80,000, uh, professionals from, from all over the world, primarily U.S. Um, and we, we conduct polling all the time. And so we have a poll running today and about what they, what they earned last year in 2016. And our membership, the average is 50, almost, fifty nine thousand mm-hmm. dollars, so that's a huge delta there's fifty three percent difference right there mm-hmm. and so the folk what i 'm trying to say here is that the, these folks that come to us and, and participate they are always trying to raise the bar and and, and increase their skill set so there is potential, but this is far from where it really should be. Um, again, the requirements are so high. And I, you know, I forecast that in the future, you're going to need to have almost uh, the equivalent of a, an electronic engineering type degree, have to have some understanding of program logic, um, which if you look at those industries by themselves, so they, they are starting off, you know, in the $79,000 range. So um, I think for the highly skilled um very talented and able to communicate uh, technician. They Their earning potential is huge, and I think that things are going to change here uh, in the very near future as the demand grows. As you're looking
2: from the at the automotive, diesel, and collision refinishing uh, trades, uh, as you look at the three, is there one of those three that, that pays higher, that the starting pay is higher? Is diesel higher than auto or is collision higher than diesel? I mean, which... Which one has the best uh,
3: career path as far as uh, money goes? So, I mean, from my perspective, I'm not the expert in the heavy duty, but I do, I do understand that, that business. And I would say that the heavy duty truck is probably very attractive. Uh, they, they are also going through a uh, technological explosion with data and uh, communications and whatnot on board the vehicle that it's raising the bar up high. Secondarily, those vehicles are producing revenue when they're up and operational, so it's ultra-critical to make them operate, just like a military vehicle, right? It's, it's essential that that vehicle be up and service-ready and, and, and be, become reliable. Um, so that, I think that might be somewhere to uh, really take a good look at and take a deep dive, and, and if they don't have a good understanding of what that is, maybe work with somebody that's in that industry. Um, I know we talked earlier about the, uh, you know, community college, trade schools. I think what's really essential there is that we, as they're going to school, they need to, to find an internship or some way to actually work in that industry just to get some knowledge transfer of what it looks like for real, you know, boots on the ground perspective so that they understand um, what those challenges are going to be. So,
2: oh, no, no doubt, and I can tell you from a military aspect of it, you can't have a vehicle down for more than 60 days, you'll get in a lot of trouble. Um, uh, Hector, do you you have any uh, add-on to that about the uh, industry itself and the pay? Uh,
4: As far as the pay goes, I mean, something for me, uh, you know, my role in particular is actually to to strengthen the image of new car dealerships in the five-county Philadelphia area. And really, you know, what I get, I have the opportunity to go out and I speak to dealer principals, dealer owners, general managers, things like that, and I can tell you, you know, uh, one of the conversations that we're having is is, is about entry level pay. Um, you know, we, we want to be able to compete. We want to be able to attract people to come to our industry. And when we talk about perception, the automotive industry just simply does not have uh, the reputation out there, the, the perception of being lucrative. Um, you know, so I am talking, you know, with some dealerships about, hey, you know, we have to get away from single digit offers and, you know, really just start talking, uh, you know, laying out a career path uh, for these beginning technicians because they're the future of our industry and, and, and they really want to know they're being taken care of. So, you know, for me, when I, when we talk about wages, uh, it, it's something that when I go out there and I hear what some of these guys who are, or, you know, some guys or girls who are out there and they're, and they're working hard uh, and I hear what they're making. I mean, it, it, it it's impressive. You know, sometimes they're making more than uh, you know, uh, service managers—they're uh, making you know some general manager money, and and really the the great thing about this industry is if you're a quality technician, uh, you're in demand, and you're in demand everywhere. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're good at what you do, if you're good with your hands, good with your mind, uh, you're you're wanted, and you're gonna you're gonna make whatever you want to make. I actually just read an article that talked about uh, you know trying to get trying to get more pay for technicians uh, as opposed to trying to spend more money on on trying to find that qualified tech necessarily on paper um you know you maybe you want to invest some in the, in the technicians you currently have the ones that show you those soft skills invest in them monetarily and you know emotionally as well let them know they're being taken care of and, and you're going to get you know a, a significant return in their uh in, in their quality of work and that's really what the dealerships are trying to do
2: fantastic and before we get before i uh forget and we get too far in uh, too late in the show i would like to. Um, Get out, put out your website, and if if we have any listeners that want to find any more information about your organization, uh, where can they go to find that? And, and Scott, um, if we want to know more about your organization, uh, where can we
3: go? So our uh, website address is ia n.net and that's you know the international automotive service tech automotive uh, technicians network and you know it, it is a professional website uh for industry professionals so you, you've got to have a, at least four years of experience uh, or an ase certification uh in order to um you know, meet the minimum threshold, but it is a, it is a website. You, you can go there and, and look at some of the things on the outside. If you're thinking about getting into this industry, you can see some, uh, get some concept of some of the, uh, sophisticated discussions that are taking place, uh, whether they're trying to solve problems on vehicles or understand technology or, uh, new, you know, new techniques for diagnostics. Um, but there is a, there's another website out there and they, they are also helping to support this, um, the, the tech force foundation and that's the N A S T F and that's the national automotive service task force. And they have an effort called the road to great technicians. And they've got a lot of things that they've articulated, um, over the last couple of years. Um, so you know what, what we were just talking about, not only are you, you have the opportunity as a technician to come in the industry, but there are other things that can go along with that. You know, we, we heard the this general manager, but, um, they can expand into maybe technical writing or technical support or even the model within the dealer that that may change or the service environment may change to uh, a a method where you're the triage specialist because you have the highly analytical skill set and then you can help direct where that vehicle goes. So, um, so don't focus only on the technician. You, you, the, you know, the sky's the limit coming into this industry. Um, Hector, what, uh,
2: where can we go to find out more about your organization? Uh, if you want to learn more about the uh, Auto
4: Dealers Association at Greater Philadelphia, uh, you can visit our website. It's morethanautodealers.com, and that's a then with an A, <laughs> morethanautodealers.com. And on that site, you'll actually find information on a couple other entities that we do. Um, just to talk about what the dealerships offer to our area here, uh, just the impact we have with those 190 dealerships, there's over 27,000 jobs that are created by the dealerships. On average, there's about 87 employees at each dealer. And we're also the same entity that run the Philadelphia Auto Show. Uh, It's the fifth largest show of its kind in the country. Uh, To give you an idea of how helpful that is for the people in the area, uh, in the 2017 show, we had over a quarter million people come to the show. Over 40% of the attendees actually plan to purchase a vehicle within the next 12 months. And over 90% found the show helpful. Uh, And aside from that, you'll also find information on the Caring for Kids Foundation, which is an awesome uh, nonprofit organization we have, a charity where these dealerships, we have about 180 or 190 that get involved. And we actually, this past year, uh, just donated over 50,000 coats to children in need in the area. So, again, yeah. that's autodealers.com. You can find industry updates, whatever you need.
2: There's definitely a valuable site to go visit. And for UTI, it's U, uh, uti.edu. Thank,
1: thank you so you. much for contributing today. I'm afraid our show is over. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another interesting show for you. Website
0: www.toginet.com forward slash military network radio also www.militarynetworkradio.com and in iTunes under military network radio join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance your